Hey everyone, welcome to Audiobooks All Day. I'm Kevin. And I'm Jeff. And today we have Chapter 9, Star Wars Aftermath, Book 1. And we're going to tell you about the new Star Wars. Alright everybody, this book is so near and dear to our hearts and we can't wait to dive right in. But before we do, let's pull it back. In fact, we're going to pull it all the way back out to a little 10,000 foot overview of this book. This book takes place within the Star Wars universe. And this story is happening right after the movie Return of the Jedi in the original series. So if you remember, Star Wars was originally three movies. At the very end of that, this is kind of where the story picks up. And the story, as we'll kind of get into a little bit more later, is about how the Rebel Alliance is trying to defeat the remnants of the Empire. Because the Empire didn't just disappear after Emperor Palpatine uh, was killed by Darth Vader. So this book was written by Chuck Wending. And we have to give a lot of credit to him. Huge credit. For stepping up and doing this. I mean, as we'll get into a little bit more again... Lucasfilm was bought by Disney, and that had a lot of implications, which we will uh, talk about just here in a second. But he was a game writer, and he turned into a novelist, Chuck Wending. And this book wound up getting all the way up to the number four on the New York Times bestseller list. We're really excited to be talking about his work, uh, because he really set the stage. This trilogy really set the stage for what Star Wars is going to look like going forward. So just to... To break it down for you guys a little bit, Jeff was saying that, was talking about how Disney bought Lucasfilm. Now we're going to introduce you guys to a little bit of vocabulary that Jeff and I and many of the people who are really in the Star Wars universe use. So anything post-Disney, so anything that after Disney bought Lucasfilm is what you call canon. And which means it is, uh, it's pretty much fair game for Disney to make more about it. So um, all the movies were canonized. And some of the books were canonized that had already been made. And then everything that Disney has produced or made since is canon. So it's pretty much that makes it fair game. Now, everything before that, there were many things that were uncanonized. We call that the expanded universe. Now, so if we use terms like the expanded universe or canon, that's what we mean. However, this book is really dear to my heart. Like Jeff said, it's near and dear to both of our hearts when... We both start, when I started, sorry, when I started this crusade of listening to books, I think we mentioned in, we did mention in our first episode that this whole thing started when Jeff told me that there were Star Wars books on Overdrive. And this is the first book I listened to when I began my crusade. And so this book is, has a lot of significance to me besides just being a great book, which it is. It also means a lot to me and has really was kind of the catalyst for helping to change my life. Yeah, so just to provide a little bit more context, uh, Lucasfilm was bought by Disney in 2012. Since then, this book came out in 2015, and since then there's been a lot of different books, a lot of different uh, series done. And like Kevin was saying, when I found out that there were Star Wars books on here, I downloaded this one as well. It wasn't my first book, but it was my first Star Wars book. And something that blew my mind was that this one is a production. So whenever you listen to Star Wars books, they are actual productions. So they have sound uh, effects 
Um, they have music, music, which is something that's pretty uncommon. And for the most part, I really don't like as much. We will talk about the Hobbit and there's a, uh, like a production version of the Hobbit, which they're not actually reading the book. It's more like they're acting out the book in audiobook form. It's a little it's, strange. It's, it's a like a radio strange. production. Yeah, it's like a radio production, but they're basing it off the book and they call it an audiobook. It's kind of strange. But here they're actually reading the book, but it's a production. And this is when I got introduced to probably one of my favorite audio readers of all time, Mark Thompson. He took this book and dominated it. Granted, I know that he's been doing a ton of different... He does most of the audiobooks for Star Wars, besides Jonathan Davis... Uh, and a few others. There's a few others here and there. And January Lavoie um, does uh, a lot of amazing books. January Lavoie and uh, Jonathan Davis and Mark Thompson, for me, are kind of like the three megas when it kind of comes to Star Wars books and just audiobooks in general. I think that those three are probably my favorite people to listen to. Yeah, um, except except Jim Davis. We have to give props where props are due. Jim Davis. Jim, Jim Dale. There Jim is Dale. No, there is no there Jim Davis. Is. Sorry, Jim Dale, who read the Harry Potter books and the Peter and the Starcatcher books. Yep. And then, sorry, R.C. Bray, who did the Martian and uh, Columbus Day series. Those, to me, um, the three that Jeff mentioned with um, Jim Dale and R.C. Bray, these, these are... The Hall of Famers of the audiobook and, reading world. I mean, and there's a few more that we could definitely talk about. Definitely. Uh, at, at a later date. In fact, that'd be a fun episode. Break it down. Um, yeah, let's do that. But this is where I got introduced to it. And at first, I'm not going to lie, I didn't like the production. A part of it was that, you know, I was by myself cleaning buildings. I think I had mentioned in my first episode when I started listening to audiobooks. And the production, it had all these sounds and it made it sound sometimes like other people were in the building with me, which I did <laughs> not like. Um <laughs> But bottom line is that super good. They, they do an amazing job doing these productions. I love them. And this is the first one of the canon series. So, Kevin, why don't you just take us through a little bit about the expanded universe, and then we can start talking about this book and how it kicks off uh, this new canon. So the expanded universe, um, if you like Jeff was saying, if you read a book about Star Wars before 2012, it's part of the expanded universe, and there's so much that's involved in the expanded universe. It does such a great job fleshing out the Old Republic. So if you played the Knights of the Old Republic games, there are books about Revan and Darth Malgus and uh, Satil Shan, all the main characters from Which there. Which we will totally get into. Oh, yeah. There's so much. There's a Darth Bane trilogy, which if you like the Sith, that's an amazing, amazing book. Um, all the trilogy, sorry. It's an amazing trilogy. And then... What they do is they flush out pretty much everything that happened after the battle at after the destruction of the second Death Star and the death of Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, so it takes you through the stories of Leia, Luke, and Han and provides you a different take than how Disney is currently taking the characters. It's just a completely different uh, pathway that they're taking. I like it because there's just you know it really does totally expand the universe in, in new and novel ways. And really gets into the details uh -huh. uh, with different cultures and different wars, and especially the Skywalker family and their character development going forward. Yeah, there, there's there's a couple trilogies just about Han Solo, about Boba Fett, about uh, Thrawn, about Thrawn. There are five books just about Thrawn, and man, he is 
He's the bee's knees. And just to be clear, there are two canon books about Thrawn that are kind of starting. If any of you have seen Star Wars Rebels, it starts to follow and introduce this character Thrawn, which they adopted from the expanded universe because they technically own all of the characters. But mm-hmm. they, you know, when they acquired them, they wanted the creative license to do whatever they wanted and not to be held to the expanded universe, uh, you know, standard. Which there are a lot of contradictions to, kind of in the timeline, but they try to make it work. Anyway, they just want a lot more creative control, so they scrapped a lot of characters and then they kind of reintroduced uh, some of the other characters. Uh huh. There are a few things that I don't love the direction Disney has taken with certain characters, but they did an amazing job with Thrawn. We will talk about those books later on. But anyway, so the expanded universe really is amazing. And as we continue through um, our episodes about different Star Wars books, we're going to be telling you which ones are expanded universe and which ones are canon so that you can gain a better understanding of which one we're talking about. But we're going to read both because they are great books on both sides. And both, honestly, very important if you really, truly love Star Wars. Because if you love Star Wars, you don't care that it's called canon or if it's called expanded universe. It's all Star Wars to you and it's all the same galaxy and you love it so much. Even though some things contradict, it's all wonderful. For sure. So kind of getting into this book, just to catch you up on where we're at in those three original movies. If you haven't seen them, please do. They're episodes four, five, and six, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi. After Return of the Jedi, the second Death Star blows up, and then you see at the very end of the movie, there's this party on uh, on Endor with all these Ewoks and Lando's hugging people and C-3PO's pumped and... Uh, Han and Leia kiss and Luke looks over and sees the force ghosts of his father and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda everybody's happy the problem is is and something that they leave off which I just thought was so great is that things are not done if you think about it imagine if the government where you live was suddenly gone or at least severely disrupted by rebels you know there's like so much work to be done I mean there's economic consequences there is political consequences there's i mean like literally every sort of i mean there's contracts that now are null and void there's i'm sure there's tons of companies that went out of business like the whole galaxy like the whole credit system that the empire had is now affected so bottom line is that everything just kind of went to crap and they make it look really happy because it is but now there's so much work to be done and the empire didn't like just blow up there's other admirals There's other people that would like to take charge. So this story starts to introduce you to the final stages of the Empire's life. So the book actually starts a few years later. Uh, Well, so, so the whole, the three books ends with five years after the Battle of Yavin. And so this book takes place after it and you get introduced very first to a few of the awesome characters. So the whole book starts off. With Wedge Antilles. Now, Wedge, if you remember from episode 6, Wedge Antilles is one of the main fighter pilots of Rogue Squadron. And for the Rebel Alliance. And he's one of their best pilots. So it starts with him. He's on a mission to Akiva. He's on a fact-finding mission. So they're trying to find remnants of the Empire. Because like Jeff said, you have a system, a, a government of over 1 million star systems. With trillions and trillions of people. And the only thing you killed was the head. And so there's still a lot, you know, so they're trying to find these remnants and Wedge is looking for them. And, well, he finds them. And he finds Admiral Ray Sloan with one of the few remaining Star Destroyers. So there's 
the Star Destroyer is the largest ship in the fleet of the Empire besides the Death Star. A Star Destroyer is the next largest one. It's their huge battleships. And so she is commanding one of those and they capture Wedge. Well, at the exact same time on Akiva, Nora Wexley, who is a fighter pilot for the who was a fighter pilot for the rebellion during the final battle where they destroyed the second Death Star, Nora Wexley's on her way home because she's from Akiva. And she's going back to find her son, Temin, who she kind of abandoned when she went off to go find to go fight the rebellion and also find her husband who was part of the rebellion. And so she gets onto Akiva. She finds her son. Her son has, well, he's grown up. He's 15. He owns his own business. And a crazy killer robot named Mr. Bones, who's uh Clone Wars era uh, droid, one of those fighter droids. Roger, Roger. Yeah, and one of those. That, that is essentially put on a new body. Yeah, who just has Viber Blades that come out of every appendage. And it's actually really, really really funny he's one of the best he's one of my favorite characters but anyway and when she finds her son temin she also finds out that wedge has been captured and that there is this huge gathering the empire is having on akiva all the big wigs that are still alive are gathering together on akiva to pretty much plan the succession of the empire and nora finds herself wedge is captured she's all alone with her son and this killer robot and they need to rescue Wedge so, Wedge so they can alert the Rebellion. And so they wind up forming a team, and we can get into in later episodes other members of the team and whether important, but really it's a matter of setting up this new team. They are going to be rescuing Wedge Antilles, and they're going to be uh, essentially beginning the downfall of, of the Empire. But this whole book is just meant to kind of bring the pieces together. I don't feel like they got quite as far in the book as I would have expected, especially compared to where the second and third books go. I mean, they just go way farther than this book really does. But it's really exciting. Uh, there's obviously a complicated relationship there with there between Nora and, and Temin. And you learn more about Admiral Ray Sloan, who then shows up in uh, the uh, Rebels series, uh, if you're familiar with that. Uh, just a fun fact, Akiva is in the same system as Mustafar, Geonosis, and Tatooine. So it's like right in there. So next time you're by Tatooine. One of the like big takeaways is I kind of move just a little bit of a, away from the story. I mean, there's a lot there in the story. But to kind of go back with some of the things that I really kind of took away was that it did give me a lot of hope for the new canon stuff. I mean, this... this um, this story is interesting, but it sets up for the books two and three, which I'm really excited to mm -hmm. to get into. I mean, it really answers some critical questions in a really fun and interesting way. Like, for example, what happens to Kashyyyk? Yeah. Spoiler alert. I mean, that's just such a cool... And it's actually at the very end of this book. Uh, Han and Leia get introduced at the very end of this book and Chewbacca, and you're like... Oh, well, this is interesting because up until this point, you really haven't seen the core characters get really involved. Very, very exciting there. Another part is that kind of like made me question is it's like, where is Luke? I mean, there's kind of this whole thing of like in this in this universe, we're always not seeing Luke Skywalker. And he is kind of way more mysterious. He's kind of just this out there person who's not really helping influence things. And so I remember finishing this book and just going, where the heck is Luke Skywalker? 
Uh-huh. And and th- this book really is a tremendous book. And I think really, like Jeff was saying, starts to bring the pieces all together. There, are, I have heard several criticisms of this book. And the main criticism I have heard, in fact, almost the only one I've heard is that it, w- it was a little bit confusing. And the reason it's confusing, and I can see why some people would find it confusing, is that during the book, pretty much every gap between chapters, it'll cut to a mini story of someone else in the galaxy. And what's confusing is some of those people are important and some of them aren't. Some of them are just describing events that are happening above um, in other parts of the galaxy. And some of them, like Jeff said, one of the short little snippets that's just a couple pages was about Han and Chewie pretty much starting this journey that has to do with Kashyyyk, um, the Wookiee home planet. And so it is a little bit confusing because it jumps around. Now, when especially you, when you're listening to it, if you like tune out for just a second, and then you're like, boom, yeah. where am I? Whoa, help. You're like, oh, they just introduced five new characters. Who are they? And then that short story ends. And then you're like, wait, who are those people? All you need to remember is that it's going to just tell a bunch of little stories. And all those stories are, are to give perspective on what's going on in the galaxy. Exactly. And some of them you'll, you'll be like, oh man, I know who this character is and it's going to be a really cool moment. And some of them you're like, going to be, I have no idea who this is. And sometimes they are people and sometimes they're not. Just letting you know that there, that part can become confusing. But really, if you just understand the main story of Nora Wexley trying to free Wedge because the Empire is meeting to plan the succession of a new leader. If you understand that, the story is really very easy to follow, and really, it is an amazing story. And like Jeff said, it sets up very, very well for books two and three. Bottom line is, we love Star Wars. We are thrilled that Disney is taking on uh, this new adventure of being able to tell more Star Wars stories. I think that there's just so much, and you know, it's a galaxy-wide story that George Lucas created and we're excited for them to keep going at it. I think that there's some really good things here. I think the books two and three were even better. And I think that as long as Disney keeps trying to engage people like Chuck in making, you know, these store, these star Wars stories happen. I'm very optimistic about the future and would encourage you to read it. If you're very familiar with the story, I hope that you kind of enjoyed our perspective and our take mm-hmm. on it. And, uh, that's all from me. Yeah, and just as Jeff was saying, the books really have been great. There are m- many, many canon books. There's like 50 canon books that are actual novels, including this one. And for the most part, they are fantastic. Now, there's a lot of polarizing viewpoints on the movies, primarily Episode Eight. We're not going to get into that right now, but one day we will. But the point I'm I'm getting at is whatever your viewpoint is, maybe about the direction of the movies, the books really do such a great job filling in the innumerable gaps that still exist and really filling out a, this beautiful galaxy that we've all come to know and love. Yeah, because it's really hard to criticize, you know, the Star Wars stories through movies because we know that Star Wars, you know, that the people behind Star Wars are attempting to fill in the gaps because they are such big stories. I mean, you're dealing with planets and peoples and all of these other things. And some facts are superfluous and not really important, but some are actually really critical to the story. And that's one reason why I really loved the now not canon book Plagueis is that it starts to fill in stories that actually make you even love the movies more. And I really hope that somehow Disney will preserve some part of that book, but that is definitely for a different time. Bottom line is we're, we're glad that you were on this uh, journey with us and we're excited to talk to you about the next two books and hope that you find this a helpful reference. 
Yeah, and don't forget to live your story. Thank you. Bye.